0: My dad would cook for him, and all the guides lived in this little, we called it the Mouse Mahal. I mean, it was just a little rundown shack.
1: I'm kind of an addictive person. If I ever get on drugs, I feel like it's over. Because- <laughs> Right, guys thanks for tuning in uh excited about this episode we're in the thick of turkey season here in missouri and uh this evening we're sitting down to talk with keith allen keith we appreciate you joining us i'm glad to be here ira i know you've known keith for a long time i know you've been excited about getting him on here
0: well you know it's weird um i've known who he's been for a long time and we've been in the same circles for a long time but until recently we'd only ever met one time and that was way back keith remembered the year i think i think didn't you say it was like 2007 or 8 when we met at Dunn's up there
2: that's right and and, And,
0: in st charles yep and uh i think you guys had uh alan curtis uh
2: your your adventures
0: yes yep yep and uh had mo marsh and and so we visited for a little bit, and then heck, we did never we we would kind of message each other here and there, but we never really met. Until we went fishing at Rockbridge <laughs> last year. All that <laughs> time, at running with with the same people, and just you know never did really you know really uh, hook up. But I mean, one thing that that I'm intrigued by because I have a professional vocation like you do, and you know, it's kind of interesting when you have people that have a professional vocation, they're usually pretty dedicated to their professional vocation, not me. but we're both we're both professional screw-offs. Right. So there's not, I mean, we both do more, more than 10 fair share of hunting. So I want to hear to start, like, how do you, how are you an attorney and you were so involved in the hunting industry and in hunting uh, to the degree that you work well,
2: I, you know my life it, no kidding it's not cliche my entire adult life has been an effort to hunt every day to more specifically to duck hunt every day of the year if i could and that's literally every decision that i've made in my life has been for that well i and that am one of the few people that get it and i and and that's not Not because I think it's cool at all. Actually, it's ridiculous. I mean, I am broke today. My wife stays aggravated with me. (laughs) I I feel like I'm a complete and utter failure, uh, but I wouldn't have it any other way because for me, the only time it literally, and my wife understands this, and I don't know if it's even normal. Well, I know it's not normal, but I don't even know if it's healthy. But the only time on this planet that I am at peace is when I'm duck hunting. <laughs> well, let me put and one, I emo- and I could get emotional about that. I mean, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a passionate guy, and and a and a crier, and I'm emotion. I mean, I'm something else. And and the the only thing that gets me going that way, besides my wife and daughter, are ducks. <laughs> it's just the truth. Back to your question: How do you afford to do it? You know, it's easy to have that passion, but I had to figure out as a, a, for, there's no other way to describe it as I grew up poor, literally. I mean, I always joke, that's why I can blow a duck call the way I can, because I grew up off the X, right? If if you, if you show me somebody that grew up on the X, I show you somebody that can't duck call. (laughs) I have to, right? I, I grew up off the X and have always been off of it. Until the last seven years with my buddy Jeff Farmer at White Oaks Duckwoods, and now I really look good. But it don't matter if you throw rocks together; I'm gonna kill ducks there.
0: <laughs> but let me, but, let me just put one of your one of your heels to rest because uh, <clears throat> even if you weren't broke now and you had some money, your your wife's still bad at you. So you don't have to worry <laughs> about that.
2: Yes. My wife, she she know she loves it when it's duck season. She knows I'm happy, and 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 I actually I, I'm man. There can't be a happier cat on this earth than me, even when it's not duck season, because of the the life that my wife and family and my profession provides me from years of creating that so that I could be in my happy place. Yeah. And, and so to answer your question, how do I jockey that or how did I, how did that come to be that I became a lawyer? I had to figure out, you know, in Missouri, Our duck hunting is, unless you figure out a way to afford something fairly extravagant, our duck hunting is in a pill box on a conservation area that if you can get drawn, you will have a successful hunt. There is no one that can come up with a better system than our conservation department. There are people that gripes and gripes and gripes, but they have done more with a limited resource than anybody in this country. But how you get to enjoy that is dip your hand in a pillbox and hope. Got the one out of four chance that morning. And in the 1990s, when I'm in 20s and willing to walk barefoot and back to Grand Pass to Pool 6 back in those days, one in four chance isn't going to cut it. So I had to figure out something. And the only thing that I could think of at the time in the late 90s told me, from poverty and being able to afford a place to hunt was to go to law. And I did it at age 29 after I had spent the previous five or six years living in an old Toyota pickup truck at Cheyenne Bottoms for weeks on end, making $5,000 a year just of gas and shells. I re- I'm telling you I know what I know about duck hunting today because the hours I have spent alone with ducks. What in the world? In a, non, in a non-diplomatic in a non situation, I always say that if you know somebody that really knows how to duck hunt, they've done it alone because you can't, duck hunting is a science and you have to experiment and you have, and, and if you're having to do that diplomatically with a group of people, then just to be nice, you won't suggest, let's try this as outlandish as it seems, let's try this to, to eliminate that, just like your scientific theories, right? It, you, right. you have to have to come up with an, an hypothesis, eliminate it. And over the years, by yourself, you can become unbelievable at duck hunting and fooling these things because you've eliminated things and figured out things that do work. And I did that alone for it, what seemed like 20 years living just like a surfer in San Diego or I didn't have nothing but a VW van and running up down the coast. (laughs) That's how I lived for about six years in complete and utter poverty chasing these crazy ducks. And then I thought, you know what? I'm 29. I'm thankful that I'm living this way, but I'm going to have to figure out something to do because eventually I'm going to have to have a family. And at the last day of duck season, in 1999, when my feet hit the, the floor on Monday morning, I was standing my at Wapapella Lake, uh, killing ducks at Coon Island every day in the South Zone. I, my feet hit the floor, and it's as clear as I'm talking to you, I thought, I'm going to call you today, and I'm going to apply, and I'm going to finish up my undergrad, and I'm going go to build a law plan. That's how much planning I did. As soon as my feet hit the floor, I said, I'm going to go to law school, because 12 years prior, a high school counselor said, You know, I think you could do well in law school. (laughs) And I thought, You're crazy. (laughs) But I did that. And my last year of law school, my oldest buddy on earth, Christian Curtis, called me and said, Hey, man, Section 14 is available to lease in New Madrid County. And that, you don't, that don't mean much to you, but that's the land that adjoins directly adjoins the property that now is hunted by North Delta Outfitters, Eric Reinhardt and his crew at Eagles Nest. Section 14 is the farm next to that. And Christian said, it's for lease. And I said, lease it. And he knows that I had less than him in terms of money. And he said, well, how are we going to pay for it? I said, well, I guess we're in the guide business. (laughs) And that decision was made in 30 seconds, right? Because it don't matter. When it's all about a duck, it don't matter. If you get an opportunity, that's the way I looked at it. And it has always worked out for me. And for that, I couldn't be more grateful. Well, tell tell us about when you were living in in your
0: Toyota Tacoma or whatever it was. Yeah, how, how do you even? What could you even possibly do to make only five thousand dollars in a year?
2: Okay, I would drive. So in the in the Boot Hill region where I'm from, every farmer in this area right now, while I'm speaking, every one of them will pay you a, a good hourly wage to get on a tractor and put a crop in and harvest it. Right now, you I you and I both could have a job tomorrow. If we're willing to work 14 hours a day, so I would get I would get on board with a farmer spring and put a crop in, and then when they get laid by, I end up you know five six thousand dollars, and and the part of the deal that I would work out is they'd put me up somewhere, right? So I'd live like that with them, and and so all that time I would make duck boats, the old Kara Hummers that you well know, I'd make those and sell them to all these guys. Every one of them you see down here, I probably made them 25, 30 years ago to the seminar with you. You were probably there when, with, when Rob Leonard and those guys were putting on them seminars at grants in 95. And out of that, I said, man, I'll make these and sell them and farm a little bit and come ducks. And I'll have gas money. And I always mentioned she'll never forget it. And it's probably still there to recognize the name. Balsall Motel. It was the rattiest motel in Great Bend, Kansas back then. I mean, I can't imagine if it's still in business. And and they they told me they'd rent a room for $30 a night. And I said, could you go less? And they said, well, we've got this equipment closet that we could rent to you for $17. There's actually a bed in it. And I'd stay there like for three weeks, right? And Just hold my boat, sit out there. Ducks cover me up, I, and I just look at them. Heck, you shoot one time, you'd be limited. I'd just sit and watch ducks all day, uh, every day.
0: That's crazy,
2: <laughs> crazy dude. At I was point, nuts. At, I, that, I really was. I'm not. I'm pretty normal now, but, but back point, then I was ridiculous. And 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 you can you can laugh at me all you want, but I've followed you, Ira, and we've messaged a couple times over the years. And it's funny how parallel we've been walking this earth. And the reason we've never crossed paths is for the same exact reason that when you're an actual killer, the last thing you're wanting to do is talk about it (laughs) or let people know what you're up to. And there was no social media and we were doing the same exact thing right beside each other. Didn't even know it. (laughs) It's awesome.
1: When you're doing that, Keith, when you're when you're, Um, what made you what made you key in on on that part of the world to spend your time? I mean, what was it? Just availability? Was it an affinity for the area? Was it connections? What was it?
2: No connections. It. I was poor. It was public, and there was no draw box. The whole thing with me in my life back then is there was no draw box. Again, I was the first duck hunt of my life was November first, nineteen eighty and it was an export at Duck Creek. And that's how I grew up hunting, you know, in a draw, in the pill box. And when, it, when I got older and got my license, then I would drive to other conservation areas. And so then I learned about Shine Bottoms, I went out there. But then when my, truly when my, and I've never thought about this until right now, this is why these deals are so neat. When my life really changed about duck hunting and it really opened my eyes, was Christian and I were invited to go to Big Lake WMA in, in Arkansas. And we went and I remember sitting there thinking, I was mad at myself because that was like 70 miles from where I grew up and I had no idea it existed. And man, you know what? You wouldn't believe it, but you could go anywhere in there with no pillbox. I was like, this is crazy. I will own this place. <laughs> and so I started hunting there. Quit every, you know. That's when I started quitting quitting jobs every every year, and then I started guiding with Charles Petty and Kent Cullum uh, down there. And and there were two or three years there prior to them outlawing guiding on the, in the woods that that was my job in their outfit was taking customers to the public woods at Big and that and so so I started guiding there, and that's when I really became a nutty 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 duck hunter because i could hunt every day and and in missouri man it's just tough you know it, it it really is it's all we have that is really good unless you're able to to tap in by by way of leasing or or, or day hunting on places like what ira has or what the boys at, at north delta which that's the best place south of the dang missouri river that i know of uh, there in new madrid county at north delta
1: That place, I I don't know if Iris hunted there or not, but I have a couple times, and with Eric and those guys, and my God, I mean, what I could, you'll know what I mean by this, Keith, and I've said this on this podcast before, but, like, my farm, Ira's farms up here by Swan Lake, you know, you were saying it's a pillbox, but it's, you know, yeah, it's a pillbox, but it's almost like those areas are almost a pillbox too as far as you close the top on them, and, you know, the ducks, they do leave it, but the lines that they're on, you know, they're coming from... This area to that guy's private ground or that guy's private ground yeah. or that other area. So, like, what I never understand about when I first started going to Arkansas or Semo and stuff was like, there's just ducks out and about. Like, they're they're yeah. real ducks. It's not like they're yeah. computer. They're wild ducks. Yeah, they're, they're wild. wild. ducks. These up they're here, they're trading.
2: Like, they're checking yes. out fluctuations in water. Yes, it's, it it, and that's why it's such a culture down here. You know. Yes. It, I always tell people down here, we don't kill them as well as anywhere else in the world. In fact, we kill them worse. But because we have that chance of something magic happening,
1: it's so much more passionate and intertwined in the culture, right? It, it, Just, and, it, it, and But you're saying, and I, I've never been able to put my finger on it, but I've always tried to explain it. What well, you're saying about, you know, you were, it's duck season's coming and you're quitting a job to duck hunt every day. Like, you know, up here, somebody does that. And they're like, people at the coffee shop are like, oh, that son of a bitch, he's a lazy, worthless. Down, down south, it's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's just what everyone does. I mean, you know, you'd be in the grocery sure. store be like, yeah, you guys hunt today, and if you didn't, be like, you didn't? Like, you know, it's a random Tuesday, you know, whatever morning, and they're like, why didn't you hunt this morning? Like, it was ne- – you know, it's just – it's a whole different culture, but that's what I think is so cool about it.
2: We're, You know, I've said this before, and it's true, and to me it's fascinating to me. I, I love – I'm a, kind of a – geography nerd, just in general, not just about hunting. I just always fascinated with geography. And I've always said, we're all products of our geography. All humans are, right? And I, and I I always say that if I grew up in San Diego, I'd be a lot prettier, a lot skinnier and have blonde hair and I'd be chasing the waves, right? I'd be surfing and I would endeavor to be the baddest surfer on the beach right? That's just me, and that's exactly how Ira would be. I don't know you, Joe, but I know enough about Ira. He would be tough to beat as a surfer, and he'd be a lot prettier <laughs> than he right. is now if, yeah. he up, if he grew up in, in, in San Diego, but his passions uh, hit him where he is situated ge- geographically, and he figured out that where this is going to ha- happen and feed my itch is on this Missouri River somewhere, <laughs> and, and he figured out a way to get, get ground up a lot allowed- along there and he's a winner, right? And and, and, and that's cool that this sport, we, we have a lot of great people and and a lot of winners and that's why we gotta all stick together. But 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 back to the geography thing. I grew up within a mile of the Mississippi River basically, right? You know that's that's been my roots. And 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 that's why I do that. I've got a buddy Blake Hall that's a fisherman. He li- he's from Alabama. He grew up, you know, on the Tennessee River and there's bass there, man. And and everybody knows <laughs> They're trying to figure out how to fool them bats. Right. right. So oh, that's it's just, right it's
1: just a fascinating thing. It, it's just part, you said it's just part of the culture. And it's, you know, it's just I don't know. It's just interesting. You know, you know, up here, everybody buys a farm. And, you know, in northern central Missouri, you know, you got the guys that duck hunt, which everyone thinks, oh, those rich fucks, you know, well, and you know. You got the guys that duck hunt and then you've got the guys, but everybody deer hunts, you know, it's, you wouldn't think of asking somebody to do something during deer, during rifle deer season, you know, you wouldn't think of asking a guy to come into work during rifle deer season or this or that. It's just, it just happens to be a 60 day rifle deer season in, you know, in SEMO and in Arkansas and, you know, in a a 365 day year round, you know, it's just kind of. It's interesting because, like you said, you're a product of your environment and how you grew up, and it's it's cool that it's so different because that can allow me to make a four- or five-hour car ride and feel like I'm in a different world during duck season. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, our state is cool even how we speak, you know. Like, I I, I don't even talk like I'm from Missouri, right? I'm from the flat ground cotton country in the boot hill. It's just a different world. It, it, right. it's, it's really neat. Right. Ira. Hey, uh, tell us a
1: little
0: bit. What what you guys guiding operation was like, and what happened back in those days with you and Christian?
2: Yeah, so Christian and I, you know, like like I said, that property became available. I knew we had to hunt it. The only way that popped in my mind that we'd be able to afford it. I mean, we literally didn't have anything. Is to get in the guide business, and oh, yeah. we had been around the guide business and had been guiding for Charles Petty and with them guys Kent uh in Northeast Arkansas for at that time for about seven years. So we, they had taught us the business uh, and taught us how to drum up the business. And we, first thing we did was uh, got a booth at the Buckarama in Atlanta, Georgia, right? And I mean, you go to a deal like that and them Georgians, they'll book your whole season in one show, right? So we, we <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, everybody in Georgia's duck hunter, but there, there's, you know, there's 14 wood ducks there. So they got to come out this <laughs> way. <laughs> <laughs> so so we we booked we we booked that first year had a great great season but that place you know is is on the on the river and that's why it's so good it's so low it's some of the lowest ground in our state and it's and again it's the same thing and uh but we had we we've dealt with in those two our first year was 2004 and it's like every year we were dealing with flooding not able to get rice in and we figured out uh, that when we were able when our farmer was able to get rice in that farm we would put it up against anybody see it was it was all ag that farm was it wasn't natural stuff like what north delta has it was the ag part of it, it had been drained and so- it was all pretty so when they got rice on it it was fabulous was it the same? Are we okay, Joe? No, no.
1: I was asking, just on an aside. Was it the is it is it the exact same farm that what those boys are hunting now?
2: No, no, no. It's right next to it, so okay. it flanks, wraps all around it. Now, okay. now, part of the hole that I hunted, we called the butt brush hole of that farm. Uh, Reinhardt and them have leased that, so they actually hunt the the blind, the area that I I spent uh well a total of eight years we were full-time seven years and ended up guiding a little bit more the eighth year but anyway the floods got to running us off and we just got beat up by it and 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 you know both of us you know he had another child i i we got jobs and just different deal and just and just quit it you know it was all good it just and we just moved on had to move on so yeah well
0: what about what about Uh, What's going on in in your law career nowadays?
2: Okay, well, I went to law school in 01. I was 31, graduated in 04. I was 34. And out of, you'll love this story, Ira. Out of law school, I had a sweet gig uh, working in-house for a company that they did a lot of financing and I did collections. And it, it was a friend of mine owned the company. And it was a deal where it didn't quite wasn't quite enough work to fill a whole year up. so it worked out perfectly. We worked out a deal where I made a great salary, but I was able to guide because Christian and I were guiding in the, all those years, right? so so I did that. i did did that job for two years. The second year that I was doing that job, which was perfect, my wife got drawn for an elk tag in the Gila of New Mexico. And if you know anything about those tags, you at best you're going to get them once in a lifetime and she got drawn her first year archery elk in the rut in the gila in new mexico and so here i was telling my boss that i was going to take off for two and he was a friend of mine and i was his law and i said as your lawyer I tell you that you have to terminate my employment i can't i mean seriously i'm, I'm already off three months to duck hunt and I'm telling you now that I'm going to be off two weeks to, to go elk hunting. And so I, lo- I had lost that job. But my I called by six bull and my wife stuck it. And it is hanging in this room that I'm sitting in here right now. Baby. Yeah. And it was well worth it. <laughs> so I quit a lawyering job on account of a Gila elk tag. <laughs> I like. And that. so when I got back, though, it was time to prepare for duck season that year. That was 07-ish, and, uh, and so Christian was working for Avery and told me that uh, he would get me a gig as a sales rep for Avery after duck season, so I didn't miss a lick. I went right into duck hunting when I got out of duck hunting. Now I'm in the waterfowl industry, which I always said I didn't want to be, uh, making a living peddling goods. Uh, that we're supposed to be doing for fun and now it's work right so but I didn't have any choices I'm still living the same life I'd lived 20 years prior trying to figure out a a way to do something that would allow me to hunt in the wintertime so I I went to, to to uh uh work for Avery uh and and then after three years uh four of the Avery or sorry three of the Avery guys started banded and I was the first paid employee for banded. Uh, they they started the company and hired me and started making duck calls uh, and stuff with banded and then the short story on that was I worked for bandit for three years got that launched I, I I will always be incredibly proud and amazed because they were my friends and we did it. And now you see the bee everywhere, right? Yeah. And that was literally just a bunch of duck hunters. And I know you're always proud when you see your cool, Lyra, which is the coolest logo in the whole industry, without question, the Mo Marsh logo. And it's so cool when you're just out and about and see that brand. But we did, we did that as a dream, right? And uh, it was amazing. And so I had done that for three years and was in China about six months of those three years over the course of, of six trips in three years. And my daughter got to be about three years old, and I was Facetiming home, and my daughter said, "Daddy, I don't like you being in China. I want you to come home." And the next day, I messaged a buddy of mine and said, "Buddy, if you can find me a lawyering job, I'm gonna sell out to the man right here. I'm gonna shut her down." Wow. That's <laughs> and, and 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 you know the way the good Lord works, it wasn't within just a few, just a couple years. I met Jeff Farmer, and we've talked about it. And we've just we're just best friends, man. We 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 both needed each our, our friendship and 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 at that time and and now I don't have to worry about grinding around trying to find a place to shoot ducks. I, I, I've seen heaven there and I look forward to many more years seeing it. And it's just it's a great life, man. And and you know, ducks to me, though it seems like it had led to a lot of dysfunction, it actually duck hunting and my love for it has made me more of a person than I ever could be because I truly have been motivated for nine months of the year to figure out a way to better myself in a way that I could hunt more. So I, I, it's that simple, man. Hey, sounds familiar.
0: (laughs) What's that? I said, Hey, it sounds familiar.
2: Yeah, I know, brother. That's why I love you, man. i i I have always I've known that we have a kindred spirit. I've just known it all along, brother. Uh, Especially
0: the people that are the closest my whole life were like, you selfish son of a bitch. Yep.
2: Yep.
0: <laughs> it's been good, but boy, they they really uh didn't have faith and in me through through the whole process. That's for damn sure.
2: Yeah. It does look selfish because we we we're, we're putting important things second to what seems like just having fun which is which is hardly you can hardly d- distinguish that from a meth user quite honestly <laughs> where where you say screw everything else I'm getting high right <laughs> yeah. it, it's not a lot different but in my case I've always made those closest to me know that they are the most important. <laughs> now we could joke during those six, then ninety days or so, it, you know, they they aren't so much, you know, in terms of the time spent. But they know that I'm becoming a better person because of that, and it's no joke. It's just the way we have created our lifestyles, and, and you've done the same thing, Ira. I know that you have made it known in your family that they're most important. It just doesn't look like. A lot of other families while wow, it's duck season. <laughs> do a better
0: job uh, verbalizing that than I do sometimes, but yes, yes. Uh, one thing, one thing we haven't talked about. There's several, but uh,
2: tell us about pure duck. So pure duck, it, it you know, duck calling has been my ticket to all the opportunities I've had. In in the in the and we all have our angle, right? I was joking the other day. You know, every fella's got to figure out an angle to impress a gal, right? When I was in high school, I figured out I could sing a little bit, and that was my angle. <laughs> you got to have you got to have something that you're marketing. And in the outdoor industry, my shtick has been calling, right? So I, I had a knack for it. I had a lot of success in competitive calling. Got, got a name for myself, and and then uh, the the I, I the thing I'm most proud of of is w- over 20 years ago i recorded an instructional audio that i made into a, a, a disc cd and and i mean that that funded my gas money to shine bottoms i mean for many years uh that 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 cd in fact i sold a bajillion of them at duns in, in st charles thanks thanks to doug ball and 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 all of those guys there that really were behind what i was doing optional uh, but but t- Answer duck. I spent many hours back in the late Rick Dunn, uh, his duck call shop, the Echo, helping him tune calls and heater and contest calling. I, I'd practice as kind of a duck call shop bum with him, and we would get in these philosophical arguments about uh, duck calls. And I'd always joke with him. I say, Rick, you know your your call is my favorite hunting call, but I'm going to tell you that when it squalls out on top on the takeoff note of the ducks, it's not pitched. As what a live duck is. I'm just telling you. I've spent too many hours at night, two o'clock in the morning, listening to go, <laughs> and your call goes, <laughs> right? That difference. And he says, "Well, I don't agree with you, but I can show you how to get a call to have that." And Rick Dunn designed my call for me, in exchange for my committing to him to blowing his contest call street always and i'll never forget and it it was a and he showed me what i needed to do to the geometry of a call to get out of it what i wanted he didn't agree that it was better than what he was doing but he knew how to because he had had just been in the woodshed so so many years making calls he's one of those og true custom call makers like butch was And like now in our generation, John Stevens has become. I mean, it is just phenomenal what guys like he and Raggio and others are doing, where they have literally mastered making and the geometry of it like those metal. Uh, It it is really cool. And they're not, man, they've decided, and they've done it because it's tradition that the CNC machines was making obsolete. So that's how, that's how pure duck came to be. And, and it was just a a call that, that, that Rick helped me design. And I never did push it. I never knew how to, to market a call company well, because I I was more interested in hunting, right? Just business and amounting to something productive has never been my deal as much as hunting. But I always said that because of that was my business (laughs) philosophy It's a dang great call, you know. It's a good call because it was all about the call, and 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 it's not. But but I love it, and 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 I'm just real up to date. In fact, I'm drafting a little post right now on my page. I'm and have in the last last weeks with Rolling Thumbs. They're actually going and handling my calls, my brand, uh, partnering. And, and under their umbrella. So the, they're able to see more pure ducks out there than the 150 of them I've done every year for the last 10 years. So. So, cool. you, yep, so hold on. One, take like refuge man.
0: Yeah. What's that now? The refuge man, right? Yeah. That's and right. then the other <clears throat> people find them back in those days. I mean, the internet was new, there was no social media. You know, people just don't, most of our listeners probably don't even realize that. Like, everybody's got to, back then, you know, it was a different world. Like, you know, you weren't going to sell direct consumer, and, and you probably weren't going to get in the huge box stores, you know. You were going to go to yeah. a local retail, hopefully establish a relationship, and that was going to be your place where you could kind of sell your brand, you know. It wasn't like you'd Instagram deals and and trying yeah, that, that you know a different world that we lived in back then yeah. and, and another and, thing
2: that's neat about you mentioning uh, that ira about social media is it affected how we learned and just learned things we had to drive right i mean it sounds like a couple old men talking but in <laughs> order for me to learn how to contest call and to, to get feedback i'd have have to be Arkansas I mean I I would man and 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 that's why I'd hang out at the shop and it was a great time you know it was social media that it's not, not all people want to dog it but, I mean heck we're on it now right uh, so <laughs> but 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 it was a very interesting and special it really really was honestly it, it was easier to 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 stay on your ducks for a week Uh, That's a whole other topic we could talk about. They ain't nobody on public ground standing on ducks for a week anymore. Yeah. And it's it's because of cell phones, social media, and mud motors. Why? (laughs) Those are the three things. A duck cannot sit for 48 hours anywhere on public ground in this world at this point because of those three things.
1: So, so, uh, I agree with you there. But you cut out just a minute, Keith. I want to make sure we get this point across. You said that your Pure Duck brand is going to be working in a partnership with Rolling Thunder to maybe make the Pure Duck a little bit more readily available rather than just a limited That's run. right. Okay, cool.
2: That's right. They're going to be selling through dealers. In fact, it was our dealer catalog. Dealers have already seen this and are aware of it. But we, we are actually launching this information uh, uh, publicly uh, on Facebook on the Pure Duck page to like after this podcast, uh, physically telling your your folks, I don't know when you'll air this, but I'm telling you now that but quick, it's not that like it's earth shattering news. I mean, it's not <laughs> right, but 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 it is kind of neat. Yeah, that that you know, y'all asked about pure duck, and that's on my mind, and 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 I'm I'm excited about it because I have not been able. To scratch or you know the itch for people that like my call uh, as much as I'd like to, I can't answer the phone. I can't do customer service. I, like Ira says, we have a profession and it is demanding. And 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 with season and profession, you gotta you gotta a lot time for family. And I am not gonna sit on a phone it's at eight o'clock at night and talk about my duck season last year and why they should make, buy my call or call. I don't care. Buy the other call. I don't, you know, it, that's how I've been because I have to spend time with my Lucy and my Hallie. So, so, by, but, but, by, for rolling thunder to, to take it over, it means that they have the infrastructure to, to promote it and to get it out there in hands. And I'm excited about it. And, and, it, and it, it does deserve to be out there more than what it is.
1: It's a good little call. Heard it here first folks yeah that's cool so so we okay so maybe we're getting out of order here but okay not that you're looking for more for more uh law work and not that we're trying to talk about law stuff but you you yeah i think we skimmed and skipped over the fact that you are still in a current you have a practice your own law office down in simo correct that's right. So, so when my Lucy
2: told me when I was in China making duck calls, I needed to get home. I, I called a buddy the next day and nice job. I got a job in Sykeston, which is my hometown working in a law office with, with a lady and, and, and she, she was just a phasing out. So I, in essence, running that office and learning, uh, that I can run my own office. So years of working for her, I opened my own office in Benton, Missouri, and that was seven years ago. And then a couple of years ago, I opened another office in East Prairie. Okay.
1: And do you specialize are you in like are you in um are you in like business type stuff? Are you in ag? Are you in no general
2: practice country law? You're in divorces, criminal. Uh, just basic stuff. Nothing. You know, I don't do a lot of heavy litigation. I, I do a lot of divorce cases and trials and stuff like that. Uh, but, and I, I, man, I have a good job. I've, I've come to love what I do. I'm able to help people and I've got a lot of freedom. You know, if the fish are biting or the ducks are flying, I can roll out, move my schedule. And I do it a good bit more than I should, <laughs> just like my buddy Ira, <laughs> but, but, but it, it does give us, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I can't believe how it's worked out for me with my work. I, I never would have thought that I could fit my passion for hunting in with my profession, but actually my profession is allowing me to do it in a way that I never thought possible. And and I don't have to worry about gas money now, so it's a lot better.
1: <laughs> right? No shit. Well, you've run the gamut of you've run a gamut of sleeping in the parking lot to uh, pulling in the parking lot and to a badass place uh, most mornings. So, so that's
2: right, man. So take us that's from right. there. So
1: you've seen, like I said, you said about north that North Delta area, the Eagles Nest area. That place is that's a that's a place that some folks are probably glad. That, that not as many people know about, but before North Delta and what the stuff they're doing with daybreak and North Delta and good for those guys, they're great guys. Um, but before they kind of put it on the, on the map as far as not to say they were the ones that discovered the area, but through social media, they've definitely had the biggest push in that area. Um, you know,
2: 100%, 100%. That's always been, you know, it's all private land in that area and the locals, have always known about its potential. You know, one thing that's peculiar about New Madrid County in that area, that it's not an area that people have traditionally pumped uh, places to hunt. It's always been a, a, a backwater deal. Uh, in other words, when the river gets up, then the ditches back up and, and floods those low grounds. And, it, it, you know, there could be two or three years where the vast majority of our duck hunters, serious duck hunters, won't even buy a stamp. But when that river gets out, you you can't even have, you know, there's no business to be done because it's only going to be duck hunting. It, it looks like a, a 4th of July at bam Buren. I mean, there's a duck boat behind every truck and it, it's a boat blind hunting. I am, I will never find a region in this world that I'm more proud of than those local New Madrid County hunters. They are killers. But they're boat blind hunters. They're river bottom hunters, right? They're not going to sit in a pit in a, in a rice field or, or stuff like that. It's just not part of their culture. So North Delta, and honestly, uh, to a great extent, Christian and me put that on the map that, hey, guys, you can pump this stuff. We can put a pit in the field, and we can burn their butts, right? And we showed folks that you could do it. And then that got Eric and them quite honestly going in Stoddard County, which is his native area around Otter Slough. And they've been doing that since they were kids, man. Eric is a winner, dude. He's been farm he, he was farming when he was like 19 years old, like full-blown professional farming on his own. And for the same reason that I was doing what I was doing and Ira's doing what he's doing and you're doing what you're doing because he loves to duck hunt. That's the only reason he was doing it. So they were, they were doing that stuff. And we were actually working with them and showing them kind of the way, in a lot of ways, Christian and I were uh, because of our history in Arkansas on how to set up rice fields. And, And so they just took that knowledge over to New Matter County when it became available and they purchased that. And I'm telling you, man, you take that knowledge on the powerhouse that is the imprinting on that area in New Matter County, there is no way to more consistently kill them than what, 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 north delta and those guys are doing And they got a great place it's, and it, it's it's a it's a cool deal the ducks
1: man. are coming The it's like i've tried to to explain it to people it's like the ducks are coming into that region of the world looking to find fresh water in those right. places and you know they're just you know our ducks are online back and forth back and forth you hammer hammer yep. hammer and you might pull some off these ducks are pumping around is how i would describe yeah. it pumping they're around frolicking like, and, i yeah, say that's what I, yeah. the word
2: i use they're frolicking
1: you hit them right? with the you hit them with the some you know like a lick of some sort and you just it's just yep. like that's what you picture that yep. duck hunting should be and they're they're in such a cool area but it's not an area that a lot of, a lot of people think like it's not sumner it's not stuttgart it's not this place that place right. but it is a i'm not going to say a hidden gem but it's a interesting region and it's a it's yep. a hell of a duck hunting spot
2: yeah, it is. It's, it's strong. And, you know, a lot of what what you're how you're describing about northern Missouri, the ducks act like that because up there, if you don't have corn, you're not going to have ducks. But the problem with corn, no matter where you're using corn is it domesticates ducks. Let's just say, let's face it. It domesticates them and they get conditioned. And that's where, how you're describing here to here to here to here. And that is corn, man. That's what. And when you don't have corn in the equation, because corn is meth to them, to ducks, right? Well, if you don't have it, then they're then they're they're scrounging around, around foraging, trying to figure out where they're going to go. They're not as domesticated, so you get a lot of that frolicking. And when ducks are frolicking and don't know where they're going, then they're susceptible to our tricks, calling, right? And that's why calling so big in this part of the world and farther south. 'Cause you have ducks that are just checking things out, right? Well, I want to touch on the
0: corn thing real quick. Corn Here we go is a double Corn is not it, corn does change what they do some of the time for sure. And a lot of it depends on pressure and how you hunt it. Yeah. But corn provides a lot of things for ducks. It provides a bunch. it's uh, necessary. Provides thermal Warmth, so it's great for roosting and it provides food so if you want to make your ducks nocturnal more nocturnal than they might be otherwise plant some corn and flood it yeah Yeah. you're not going to kill them if you hunt it during the day and you press them too hard you're going to have them yeah but you're going to um, 10 minutes after shooting time until two hours before shooting time and people think corn's like some magic pill it's not Corn's a poison pill, by and large.
2: Yeah,
0: um, unless conditions are right, or for, you're really making big track right, but okay. just you have corn, that does not mean you're going to kill ducks at oh, all. No, it's
2: not. You're going to have them, but it, it, it corn is. But corn will, domesticates them. And, what's that? It will change their habits
0: for yeah, sure. It'll I change. Mean, another thing I see, and Joe. And and maybe Keith, you've been around it too, but but I'd say that flooded corn will make ducks less likely to dry field. Now they will still dry field, they won't dry field as much as they used to before they had access to flooded corn, because they can sit in a safe spot during the day. If especially when it's dry, they know that they've identified where they're safe. They know where the refuge is. They know that they can go and get in that flooded corn at night. They can eat. They can be safe from predators. They can be warm. And they can go back to a safe spot in the morning. And they don't have to go as much to the moist soil and as much to the dry fields. Um, but but they still, you know, it's still a big buffet. And, and a duck's an opportunist. And they're going to do what they need to do. But d- flooded corn does change the landscape. That's but, right not the poison pill that everyone down south thinks it is because oh. it's it's it really to some degree when you plant flooded corn you shoot yourself in the foot
2: oh i know no i, I i'm not, i didn't i i i have no criticism i'm not i don't buy into the classic southern you know heated ponds i don't listen to all that stuff i don't paint it i don't think that anything i'm just saying that because it's not what is used in general in this area, Correct. then we don't have that pattern of movement like they get when areas it, are predominantly and 100. have a lot of corn. They, they, it's just, there is nothing more powerful than flooded oh. corn. I don't think that anybody you're, would argue against that. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that's the way it is so that so that you kind of got to live and die by it a little bit if you're around it. I think the, you got to join the party
1: the thing that i the thing that i think that most folks that don't understand how flooded corn works and i'm not i'm not saying you i'm agreeing 100% with what you're saying but guys yeah. that don't get it they think that what and and i'm speaking this is what i think is a fact so if somebody disagrees with me they can tell me or comment or whatever but flooded corn will will change how ducks act within an area it will not keep them in an area huh. as long as what people think that it will when it gets it won't keep them in an area
2: uh, at, at all. all
1: no when the ducks <laughs> when the ducks leave uh, or I'm sorry, when it gets super thermonuclear cold, they're going to the Missouri River or the Mississippi River. If it warms back up in a, in a right amount of time, they're going to filter back up on the thaw. And if the river freezes up, that's when you're going to lose your ducks in north central Missouri. Until that happens, and unless the Missouri River completely stops and, and ice chunks completely shut it down, <clears throat> they're not leaving north central Missouri. And there's a percentage of them that never do. So the corn, the corn has nothing to do with the Missouri River because Two years ago when we had no corn um up here because everything flooded out in or three years in 19, we still had the same amount of ducks and we still had this them for just as long. However, that year, ducks pumped around a lot more. They they searched more shit out. It wasn't like the computerized, what I call it, the computerized of well, you know, and my buddies some guys, two of the guys that own uh concealed comfort pits come up here and not with us, and we'll be driving down the road and they'll be like, Hey, how's that spot? I'll be like, it's really good. And the next, we'll go 190 yards. I'll be like, "How's that spot?" I'll be like, "Man, it's shit. You won't kill shit there." And they're like, "You, you always say this. You don't have a clue what you're talking about." I said, "Guys, you don't understand how defined these lines are. Like at Iris Heaven Hole, yeah. I can tell you, there's like four or five predominant lines that they're on. There's two that yeah. you'll never kill any off of. There's one you'll kill every group off of, and there's two that you're going to have a pretty good chance. And and they're going to be flying on the same line. You could sit there and you could sit there and hold your hands on those lines, and the ducks are going to fly them. It's just It's just crazy what not just private flooded corn, but but flooded and refuge corn and things like that. I mean, I'm I have a spot on the line between a big flooded corn impoundment and a federal wildlife refuge. So I don't give a shit. I'm glad there is flooded corn, but it definitely changes the way that ducks utilize a region.
2: Yeah, I'm not. I, of course, I have a very radical idea about that, that I've not heard many people say much. But in terms of all of that talk, especially you hear down south, and I think stereotypically you hear it more in Louisiana. I, I, I just I have a feeling that nothing has changed. That's that's truly what I believe. I don't think anything has changed ever. I think that it's all the same, and I think that the in terms of the migration, in other words, the implication in what you're saying is that a lot of Southerners, and you're right, believe. That some change in how the corn planting and all of these things have affected the migration different than decades ago, and I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. And I tell you that I think that I can prove that to an Arkansan by taking him for a drive five days before the duck season this year. They're everywhere. Yeah, they're well, everywhere. And then the other dummies that I shouldn't be so ugly, but the other dummy idea, in my opinion, this is my opinion, I can have it. Is that that then if you drive around five days after the season, what you see is ducks everywhere then the conclusion is we got to have the season open later <laughs> that's the dumbest thing ever if you, right. if you stop if you stop it on december twenty five and in the south zone of Missouri and drove around on December thirtieth they're gonna be everywhere it's all about <laughs> pressure it it, it. it 100%. And, 100 percent that's what we don't want to say especially yes. those of us in the industry is the very simple fact to someone who's passionate about it and has spent a, a good part of his lifetime
1: out there is there is too much gunfire Your, period gu- yeah. there's too many there's guns too on much every gunfire. yes and and you know what we've all got every mm, up here up here there's a, there's so many good spots and, and that are, Hey man, it was good for a little bit. And then it just wasn't anymore. It's, you know, you hunted it for, for 10 out of 12 days. I mean, they, they figure that out. I mean, it's, you know, there's a it's lot of consistent. Ducks. It's
2: consistent conditioning, just like a good dog trainer. If you don't consistently put pressure on a dog, he won't figure it out. Correct. If it is consistent, he will figure out exactly what you're wanting him to do every time and quickly. And I'm telling you, a duck has figured it out because of gunfire. It had where everybody think, I mean, you can explain it a million different ways, but it's so simple. But one of the easiest ways to explain it is how many ducks do you have to burn through to mess up, to educate for a party of four, just four guys. Now people want to hunt eight or 10 for a party of four guys to kill a lemon, to kill 24 ducks. How many ducks have you? Are you going to have to mess up to kill us twenty four ducks? Hundreds,
0: hundreds and, of ducks. Hey, I, I want to save some time to talk about uh, uh, about where you are hunting now, white oak duck woods. Yep. Um, but but I don't want to belabor the point. But you know, I do want to take just a moment to say that, in my opinion, a, a large part of the reason why we're in this predicament that we're in now. With all the all the conversations about this, that, and the other is because social media. Because you know, buddies posting these pictures, and they don't an effort to kill a limit. That's what it's about. But they're not created equal. I mean, you've got major private land people that are doing, you know, super stuff for conservation, and they're holding a lot of ducks. And you know, a lot of the public lands that didn't used to get you old ducks, man. Now they're just getting. They're just getting abused, you know, and yep. and uh, so some things have changed and and I'm not I mean, you you mentioned oh, I was growing a lot of that turkeys Turkish goblin. Um <laughs> you mentioned Onyx and social media and all that, but it's it's a little different world. But just cause you're paying five thousand dollars to lease a forty acre rice field with a pit in it. You you can't the world is not an even playing field. And That's I don't right. want to belabor the point we've all been fortunate. You're at White Oak Duckwoods. I got my stuff. Joe's got his stuff. Yeah. Tell us about White Oak Duckwood. White Oak
2: Duckwoods. And just
0: kind of tell White Oak duckwoods Tell Woods. us a little bit about it. About how you and Jeff hooked up, I'm curious.
2: Okay, well that that's a kind of a simple that's a simple story and in a, in, a, in a in a very is, is an awesome day. I when you know at the end of my banded days, while I was with banded, I was filming uh with with Belding on the foul life. I was uh, you know on that show with him every every week, and that was kind of part of my job duties with banded, and we had a lot of fun. And uh, so we had scheduled a hunt at White Oaks, and I was, I happened, the way it all set up, I ended up sharing a tree with Jeff, right? And it was one of these deals where every duck that came in appeared to both, well, to all of us. It, It seemed like, I don't think it was, but it seemed like. They were trying to come into the end of the insert of my duck call, right? And it had nothing to do with me. It wouldn't have mattered if my daughter would have been blowing duck call. The place is amazing. But it's funny because Jeff back then was not at all a duck caller. He's now become a very good one. Uh, We've worked with him for years now. But at that time, he became convinced that he would be able to kill more ducks if I was on a tree beside him. Right or wrong, that's what he came to convince and, and came to be convinced about. And because of that, I was the benefactor. <laughs> Perfect. So so he told me when that hunt ended and everybody was leaving, I was getting in my truck. He walked up to me and said, hey, Keith, he said, man, I enjoyed it. Glad y'all, you know, did the deal we always do when we do these hunts that, you know, enjoyed it. He said, man, he said, I, I'd sure love to have you come back. And I looked at him, and I said, great, I'll be here Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and and I didn't ask him if he was serious. I showed up, and we had a magical hunt, just him and me. And then I, then after the next weekend, I didn't even ask. I just came, and he's never run me <laughs> off, and now we've become best
1: buddies. <laughs> Dude, hey, you're like that. Hey, I tell him you don't tell – somebody be like, hey, you want to hunt? You can hunt my place. I'm like, listen, I'm going to give you one more chance. Don't say yeah. it if you don't mean it, because I'll be there.
2: Exactly, and I was man, and it and it it's been a it's a wonderful deal. But that yeah, that's a special place. Jeff uh, made a little coffee table book, and he did it just for himself. I mean, it didn't like it makes any money for him. Uh, he charges a little bit, but it costs a little bit to make it. And it was more so just a way to document photos, and, and it's neat. And he sells them on his website. And he asked me that he did this about four years ago, and he asked me to write the forward for it. And it's funny because they misspelled the word forward and that still aggravates me uh. because I worry that everybody else thinks that I spelled that, but I know how to spell forward, but I I didn't, in my essay that I wrote and submitted to them, I didn't use the word, but anyway, I, I've said all that to say that if you ever see that book or ever thought about maybe getting it, the forward that I wrote encapsulates the story of both Jeff and White Oaks uh, and and it is an amazing story. I mean, that dude is nothing but a dreamer. And he is not wealthy like everybody thinks he must be. He is just like everybody. And I say this in the forward. everybody who has ever sat in flooded woods or something about hunting ducks in flooded woods that you just have this feeling where, God, can you imagine owning this place? That's exactly what you think if you're ever in flooded woods There's something so magical about it. That you, you, everybody that's ever done that. Well, what Jeff did different than what everybody else did is he said, I'm going to own a place like this. And he went from in 1999, he is saving money to buy a 14 foot war eagle to be able to hunt in raining break and boating in there like I did and like all those did in the middle of the night, sleeping in a hole, holding a hole. He went from that to owning White Oaks Duckwoods in less than 20 years. And and we got to get him, is, dude. You have to get him on. He is he is a special story for our whole industry. He is living what everybody that's ever hunted, especially in flooded woods, but really everybody that loves duck hunting has dreamed. And and he did it just being hard headed, man. I I can't believe what he's done. And it's and 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 it, hey, I, people ask it. Ask me. Tell me about white oaks. I can tell you real quick. Have, I don't know if either one of you guys have ever been to Duck Creek, which is in southeast Missouri. It's a conservation area. It's about fifty-five hundred acres, and it's about I know a hat two. It's two-thirds woods and about a third fields. Got a big rest area pool one, and they hunt about forty to fifty groups a day, and have done that for decades. If you could imagine that you own Duck Creek and we're going to hunt two parties today, and you got pill number one, that's what Jeff Farmer does every day. That's awesome. Unbelievable. (laughs) Two groups a day on Duck Creek Conservation Area, and and that's exactly the caliber spot and the size of it and the setup. And, I mean, you're going to hammer them every dang day because of the lack of pressure. That's why it's so awesome. He's holding about 100,000 ducks, and there's nobody shooting except two groups, and we're done at 7.45 every
1: day. I mean, they don't—they can't even figure out that there's even hunting going on. So, okay, there's a lot to be said about that. I want to say one thing about the point that we just made about the pressure, and, you know, along with that, and everybody sees the ducks spread out throughout after season and before season, it's because big places like it, whether it's Ira's at Locust Grove, White Oaks, Eagle's Nest, wherever – What do you do with the best habitat in the biggest places? The ducks want to be there. The duck hunters that can't afford those places try to get places close to them. They gun those every day. And so, you know, now instead of 100,000 ducks being spread out across several miles, they're all sitting on white oak because white oak is giving them what they need, which is rest. Anytime they come out, they're getting their asses blasted. So it really makes sense but we just don't want to think about it because we want to hunt every day and we don't want to come to terms with the fact that we've only got 80 acres or a hundred acres or whatever. And by hunting it every day is the worst thing we can do for it, but we can't get out of our own way. Cause we want to hunt every day. It's, it's a, it's a all conundrum. Day. It, yeah. Exactly. It, 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 makes sense, but it's a conundrum just because we can't, yeah. we can't let ourselves think it. But, but to, okay. So back to white Oak and I'm not asking you to tell Jeff's whole story. We'll ask when we get on here, but yeah. basically he bought the farm as a, if I understand right, and I probably don't, but he bought the farm as a vision and kind of created white oak, correct? That's right. It was just raw river bottom ground, and that's
2: why he was able to buy it at a discount. In other words, what it what it is now is developed as duck property, but it was believed prior to his buying it that it was it was impossible to flood it and to control water on it because of the soil. Uh, you know, uh, and and that's very common and that's a an, uh, uh, kind of an accepted belief in river bottom country that if you're yep. right up against the river, you're it's going the walk the ground is going to not hold it well he's from Memphis he don't didn't grow up in that culture and that sounds like cockamamie crazy crap to him so what he did he's hard-headed enough is he hired somebody a geologist to do a soil set study on it on the whole place because if it would work he was smart enough to know that he could get it paid for right if it would work if it actually would hold water and 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 it, it had survived all sorts of prospective buyers because of the, the assumption that it would not hold water. Well, what he figured out is that more than 60% of it would, could and would hold water, and it would take this and that to do it. And he just put a pencil to it and said, okay, in order to pay the interest on this, I'm going to have to have so many leasees. And he, he, he's a businessman. He's a, he was a finance major at Tulane in New Orleans. And that's his background. He knows banking. He knows how to do that stuff. And all I know how to do is blow a duck call, right? So I wouldn't ever even think about it. So he figured it out. His his angle, you know, we all have an angle. And mine was calling, right? That's how I killed him. When he couldn't call, he had to get a magic spot. And that's what he figured out. And and so, yeah, it, it was a raw place. And then he, he got it developed. And now it looks like, it, it, you know, it, it, people
1: don't realize it the risk that he took. I mean, it could have been nothing. It could have been nothing. Everybody, I guarantee you. And so, I mean, you don't know this or give a shit, but a big part of what I do is real estate marketing. And so like for, I have, I work with agents and every river bottom farm that somebody wants to turn into duck hunting every time, whether it is or isn't, there's gotta be at least one person that throws in the all ass. Some bitch don't hold water. That's the main thing. And so when they do that though, whether it does or doesn't, as a guy sitting there putting your whole life on the line to try to buy something, it, it, it's got to cause a little doubt. You know, 90% of people are going to be like, God damn, I don't want to put millions yeah. in. And then what if it doesn't hold water? I'm just, for lack of a better term, I'm fucked. And so yeah. that's killed a lot of duck hunting, duck property dreams. And that's, yeah. it's crazy because, uh, it's just crazy because, you're like you're saying, he you just forged ahead. And, yeah. you know, I mean, if it wouldn't you know, work, The way I understood it is that. He could you know, in,
2: that couldn't happen just within a couple of days to, in order to hire the people to study it, you know, it takes a few months. So he was smart enough and understood uh, uh, business deals that he understood options and, and he paid them a fee to hold it open, to give him the opportunity to be able to do that research and how he was able to sell the seller on it is that if I can determine that this thing will hold water, we got a deal, Right. But i got to have this amount of time. So he, he's just smart. And, and again, this is my understanding. Quite honestly, Jeff and I talk very little about business. We just talk about how the wind's going to blow tomorrow and, and if the sun's going to be out and which which hole we're going to hunt. You know, it's all about hunting. We really don't even visit much in the off season. But during the season, he's my brother, man. We're, we are in the trenches every day. He trusts me. And and you know and he's become kind of a target you know for a lot of people that are jealous and hating on him you know and and because he does hold ducks and it and it does seemingly affect uh, the the uh, the the area in close proximity to white oaks in a negative way but the truth is people that got good sense know that it's the best thing that ever happened to that region because now they're imprinting on the region in general and trade off of that and if people. Somehow, whether it's by new, you know, whether we have uh, limits that are lower, which we never will as long as there's a lot of ducks, but somehow or another, if we can limit pressure somehow in a vast way, we will see people at the IHOP having breakfast at nine o'clock. And that's when our duck hunting changes. And that's what you do not see anymore. You do not see a group of duck hunters limited out having pancakes at 9 a.m. like we did in the late 90s. And it doesn't matter what the limits are or what. If you could have a way that everybody was at IHOP having pancakes at nine o'clock, we'd kill them every day.
1: And and you made a good point about uh, how he's become a target. I don't know the man. Uh, he 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 could be you know he could be Jesus. He could be Judas. I'm gonna I'm gonna take your word for it. But what I'll say is, what's funny is. You know, everybody, hot mother, you know, you, you. I don't even know if they're saying that about him, but I'm sure they are because they say it about Ira and other people, you know, that, that hold yeah. ducks. But what's the first—and I've shot some real estate uh, properties down there close— within 20 minutes of his property. And one thing I want to say is it's not in duck country as no. far as, like, as no. far as, you know, it's not it's not right next door to Max Prairie Wings. It's not— That's right. You know, and, and so all these farms, though, these guys, when they're going to sell— What's the first thing they're they're saying? They're not saying this is a good it's farm. Five it's, miles from Oak. Close <laughs> from White Oak. Exactly. And that's wow. and their property value is going up because of that. So yeah. you can hate them, but you're cashing the checks. You know, yeah. it's it's just and it's internet. not it's not smoke and mirrors that it's more valuable. It is more, it valuable. Is more valuable. It's <laughs> better. Because as soon as you put one on the market, it's bing, 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 bing. People calling yeah. and, and it only makes and it only makes sense, you know?
2: Yeah. That's awesome
1: uh so I'll tell you something. I tell you I want
2: to mention something that this you'll be interested in this. This is a theory of mine that I've kind of tested, and I truly believe in this. this. is something a different way to think about things. but the 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 positive, and this is a weird way to think about a positive about pressure and about the difficulties in especially in Arkansas, because the pressure is so massive and so consistent on public ground that the the very things that make it almost impossible now to have consistent hunting on public, has actually created a market for marginal spots on private ground. In other words, a, a 40 acre piece, uh, 30 years ago, wouldn't be, it wouldn't hold the prospects that it does now because of pressure. If you get a small piece, that's just marginal area and, and, and you know, there, and has marginal imprinting, you can take that piece and limit your hunting on, hunting on it and for make it attractive habitat wise. and, It will be a hammer. It's not just an opportunity to hunt. It is crazy good hunting down there because of the pressure. We have created kind of a monster in one way in that the public hunting is really, really tough, but it's actually made it to where you can, you know, not buy the most premier's place and it be good. So, I don't know if you know the or familiar with the uh, Cash River Farms guys, yep. Dustin Roddy. Yep. yep. And yep. he's got a fine Instagram page. Yes, he and does. It, it, you ought, your, your folks ought to follow his page. It's educational, it's all about habitat development. But he has got, and he's created an industry down there of selling small, relatively affordable places. And if you buy one from him, it's going to be good. I can guarantee it, no matter where it's at, because the pressure is so crazy everywhere.
1: That's right. Oh, no, that's right. It's, it's it's really me. I mean, if you and and, and you know, it's it's the same with uh, you know a, a white oak. It's like a it's like a place like up here at, at Swan Lake. It, if you have a spot where the water's right, and you stay off of it, mm-hmm. ducks will load up on it. I don't find it. You know, hey, may, maybe I've only got two hundred thousand dollars. I don't have two million dollars. So here's what I can afford, and it's pretty small. Or I'm speaking hypothetically, but I don't even have two hundred thousand dollars. I don't even have two hundred dollars. <laughs> But let's just say that if I did, I can afford a spot that's this big. I yeah. can't hunt it every day. I can't piss-pound it every day. I want to have good that's hunting. Right. So I am I can hunt it one or two days a week, and then I'm going to yeah. have to go here, and then I'm going to have to go here. Ira has, you know, I don't know how many acres, uh, multiple, and he can hunt his place every day smart, you know, doing it smart. Keeping leaving some here, leaving some here, but he's got all these little farms. You know, he's got all these little farms within one big one that are in different units. So I might be able to hunt mine one or two days a week, and then I need to go somewhere else. He can hunt his Southwest pool one or two days a week, then he can leave those ducks. He can go hunt his Northeast pool one or two days a week, then he can go hunt money one or two days a week. And everyone's like, Oh, his farm, blah, blah. right? But it's because it's bigger and it's managed right. He's managing each pool like we all need to be managing each farm. It ain't, you it, ain't, it, you know, it ain't his fault that we don't have seven of our size farms that touch each other like he does. Yeah. But, but right. it's the same concept. You kind of got to hunt what you can afford and what yeah. the size of the farm you have that dictates how much you can hunt it.
2: Yeah.
1: I, you know, I've kind
2: of come up with it just being around Jeff's place that it, it, and we can see it if we pressure that, you know, you, you can even see pressure with just a couple groups if you hunt same spots, but in general and, and I've not tested this because I don't have land money to buy land. But it just seems to me like that for how many ever acres you have to hunt, you've got to rest that many acres. If you've got 100 acres, you better rest 50 of it. It just seems like that. Like, completely rest it. I mean, I'm talking about never be on it, Leave right? It it, yeah, yeah, it Yeah. And, and I don't know. I would be, would be real fascinating to get his pick because he knows that stuff probably better than about anybody because he's been at that well, for like so many her- years.
0: We have 420, and we hunt 50. Yeah, there and you go.
2: So that's less than half, yeah.
0: You hunt how spots, much, Ira? Like, there's spots that are just traffic spots.
1: I mean, there's Ira, not- how much did Doug? you say you hunted? Huh? How many acres did you say you hunted? 150. Oh, I thought you said 50. I was like, no nah, I'm going to have to call you on that. Like, 150. 150. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. makes sense
0: and and there's spots that we can hunt every day because there's they're in the woods and there's not a duck that lives there and it's all traffic and it's all yeah. blown a call and it's yeah. not blown a call ever be there That's like you, you don't there's no pressure and then there's other places we go that are places they're living and yeah. and you can in there and strategically hunt them but it's got to be strategic yeah and then other places that are kind of traffic spots but they kind of like it but they're not living there really like they'll go there and they'll kind of pile up there a little bit but they're not really feeding there they're more loafing there and you can hunt those spots when they're when there's a couple ducks in there that means you can kill some ducks 30. in there <clears throat> but but so you got to kind of consider the spot and just hunt it according to what's going on but if you don't have shit, then you can always go to your traffic spot. There you go. But
1: if you, Keith, you don't, which you would like, you would like hunting up here, Keith. Uh, uh you, you would like hunting one of the, one of those traffic holes where I would assume. That, that's much, how I'd hunt. That, that's right. how I would love to hunt. You like yeah. to hammer hammer on them when they're flying over and break yeah. those groups. Uh, do, Keith, okay, this is an aside, you know, but do you know Jason's there? Oh yeah, real well. So Jason obviously is Iris' partner and then he owns a farm with me too. And uh yeah. he's a great dude to hunt with but it'd be fun to have you up to hunt uh hunt yeah. with us sometime. But yeah. what I was going to I say, will. Yeah, come on. What I well I, it sounds like you will. Uh, you Is that you outside my office right now? <laughs> uh no. Did Ira Well, one thing about it, they won't be no pressure tomorrow when we're out there. That's right. like They'll that's, all be turkey hunting. That's right. <laughs> I, But like at Ira's farm, he was just explaining like there's multiple different setups that multiple different hunting styles but it's like when somebody comes there with them it's funny because a good hunter a good duck hunter travels and translates you know somebody comes up there and hunts at iris they're like what's the deal on this he's like well this is a traffic spot only okay we completely understand it or this is a food spot or whatever the guys that don't get it you can tell because every time they go to heaven they'll be like i can't believe that there's no ducks in here i can't believe that they you know it's like guys it's it's a traffic spot. They don't hang out. That's where you'll kill them. They don't hang out here, you know, like you, and you can hunt it. You know, it's just, it's just interesting how like guys that get it, get it. And guys that don't get it, don't get it. You know, it's just, it's interesting. Honestly, honestly, that's the only
2: place you can actually kill them. Good. (laughs) is a place they're not living. If you're, if you're in their house, you're not going to be in the in in the spot that they're going to hit, but about three days a
1: year, right? <laughs> and how many times, Ira? You've said this before. I know Aaron has too. How many times you got ducks setting somewhere, and and you're like, "All right, boys, today's the day. We're going to go in here and we're going to have a freaking Super Bowl party." And you go in there, and it's like, "God damn, this wasn't as good as what I thought." They're landing no. long. They know something's wrong. You know, it, it's they're it's not as easy. Home, as they're think. home. Right, exactly. They're home. They-
2: the only time a duck is susceptible to our tactics and that it fooling ducks with decoys and calling is when they haven't been there at least 7 days. if they're at a place 7 days you're done you can't get them because they're home and in it, in my hometown I know where I'm going to eat tonight if you're in my town you don't know where you're going to go so you're going to drive around do you see a bunch of cars at a place right that's right no that, that and that's that's a great You're way to- susceptible to a bunch of vehicles behind. We have a bunch of dummy cars out in front of a restaurant, and you're going to go in there every time because you don't know where you're at. For sure. For and,
1: sure. That, and that's
2: it. true. And everybody says they're call shy. No, they're not. They're indifferent. They're home. Just like calling at a duck in Canada. I mean, you ever hunted the water in Canada? I mean, yeah, you murder them, but it's not because you're calling them. I mean, they, right. they don't pay attention to it because right. they're home. Right. Hey, real quick, back on the business front. So way back
0: in the day, Back when, you know, we were really trying to grow our vet practice. Yeah. We told our employees that hey, everybody needs to park out front. They said, What? Don't you want to say that for the clients? We said, Fuck no. We want them to think that everybody's coming here. Y'all That's park right. So we'd have from right. the office. <laughs>
2: We used to we used to turkey hunt a little public little conservation piece in Texas County years ago, and everybody we hunted with, we'd have them parked there for the whole camp, and then we'd just shuttle to our camp, leave every rig parked there. Every morning, people pull up there and turn around and leave, and there wasn't even nothing but one person hunting there.
0: Oh uh, <laughs> not remember that in Kansas? Remember that, Joe? We'd leave my, we'd leave trucks scattered all over the daggum place, and yeah. uh, <laughs> it's a
1: drugs. game. It's well, a crazy game. We'd be headed to, yeah, we'd be, we'd all be headed to the same spot and everybody drives their own truck. Yeah. Don't hate the player. Oh, no. <laughs> God. I mean, that's the, you know, and I know you've seen it hunting all over the place, but man, it's got to be nice, Keith, to go to, to get the experience of hunt in the woods as good as it can possibly be and get to roll up and know you're not going to have to fist fight somebody for a
2: tree. 100%. It's unbelievable. I mean, um, uh, my buddy Spencer Halford, you know Spencer Halford that owns Rolling Thunder. He's he's spent uh, m- most of his life hunting wma's in Arkansas, and we joke. every night at the at the camp, at Jeff Farmer's upset. Where are we gonna hunt tomorrow? And we're just like so indifferent. We're like, what What do you mean we're going? It don't matter. Right. It don't matter. We're 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 not
1: matter we we are we are not going to be camped out at a boat ramp. I know <laughs> that. <laughs> I mean. Okay, so here's here's one, and I know we're probably running long. Everyone's got shit going on, but this has been awesome, and I got one for you on the subject of white oaks. Not to keep hammering that drum, but it's so cool. And I know that there's a lot of variables going this, but if you got your the conditions that you want tomorrow, and it's tomorrow's duck season, and you're getting to go in there with the crew that you want, you know, their normal crew. What hole? And I don't. I've never been to white oak, but I've heard enough people talk about different things and folks that have been there and had the fortune to go there. What's your favorite hole to hunt if you're going to go hunt tomorrow and it's all the conditions you want? Where would you pick to go just for, just for preference and fun? Well,
2: i take a, a north wind in the Missouri hole and I want a low of about 29 and I want it to get up to about 40 for a high. And I want the wind to be 11 miles an hour. And I want everybody on this earth to be with me. Literally, It'd save, it would save the whole earth. They wouldn't know fellas thinking they was a woman. And, and they wouldn't be nobody worrying about where they was going to go the bathroom. They wouldn't care about who's voting for who. That's all that would fix the whole world to be in the Missouri hole at White Oaks Douglas with those conditions. And they got to go, and you got to go with Jeff Farmer because you ain't ever seen somebody that is more passionate about killing a duck than that sucker right there. He has has put the chips in more than anybody I know to kill a duck. (laughs) And that's why I love him. He's the only cat I know for sure wants to kill a duck more than I do. I love it. (laughs) And I'm convinced that Ira is the same way. I don't know you, Joe. Uh, But I do know that Ira is the same way. And I know that's also why I've never run into him. (laughs) Yeah, he's definitely
0: shining. What'd you say? I said, I assume you want the sun to be shining.
2: That 100%, 100%, completely. We're going to shoot black ducks. We're going to kill them all in there in the morning if it's those conditions.
1: I mean, that's That's just, that's that's kick ass. I mean, you know. And I'm sure that ain't the only hole on the property that's worth a damn No, <laughs> we're going to kill them on all of them. And he's
2: got a place called Eagle Lake that doesn't get the buzz and you don't hear about it as much because we don't hunt it as much uh, because we generally just hunt it when, well, if we're coming in late in the morning and we don't go to daylight or something, or for whatever reason, we, we, you know, had bad conditions or if it stuff froze up, but it, it's a mid morning place. And it is without question, the most sure thing, the most sure thing with any conditions that from 9 to noon, it's the most sure thing I've ever seen. There's going to be 40 ducks, 40 mallards, bowed up, coming in there. Not five minutes will go before you see the next one. I've never seen anything like it. I don't know where they're coming from, why they're coming in. It's an old Oxbow Lake. It's the Basically, it's the old White River Channel is what it is. And, and there's a lot of those Oxbow Lakes up and down the White River. It's all it's it's flanked and lined with cypress and tupelos, and he's got a massive blind in it. And it it's it's you'll see you'd see photos of it if you see a big spread in in a bigger hole that that's Eagle Lake. And and we don't hunt it that much just because you know we're generally in the woods and we're we're done. So, but but when we when we have a late start or if we have guests that come in later in the morning, we'll just say hey we'll just wait, sleep in, go to Eagle Lake, and it is special special special
1: god i mean it's fun whenever it's hard to describe a piece of ground or it's hard to it's hard to explain what a piece of ground can do for a duck hunting experience or memories i mean whether it's something that you know that you own or that you get a chance to hunt whether it's wma whether it's private it's just Mm -hmm. crazy how you can have a piece of ground burned into your mind whether like i said whether that's public or private and how that's what you know, that's a big part of what duck hunting is to you. And it's just it's crazy how the landscape affects and how you can get so near and dear and endeared to a landscape. And the and the reason it
2: is is it's that is part of the memory. And that gentlemen is what we're hunting. We're not right. hunting ducks. We're hunting that it I just described to you a scenario, right? That I want to see tomorrow. And what I described is a memory. Right. And we're wanting to relive that. That's what's beautiful about the sports, why you can't get ugly and talk bad about people and act ridiculous.
0: And you can't expect every day to be that way. That's
2: right. That's right. It's just like anything else in life. You can't have that memory every day. But we are – we all – everyone that loves this has a memory in their mind, and generally it's that first hunt. It's the first time – you hear a call and watch a mallard bow, bow his wings up to that call. I mean, I can get emotional now thinking about that, and I've seen it tens of thousands of times. But the first time you see that, if it's in your blood, you're not right because it, it's a memory that is akin to the, the most important memory, you know, of, of family, of grandpa, of uncles, of, of your dad. Man, it's, it's, it's crazy. How important it is, and, and that's all Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is selling. They're not selling uh, gizmos. They're selling in a, a a mechanism to allow you to relive a memory, man. And that landscape is so as much a part of that as the duck is. That's why it's like that. We have special places, and 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 when we're experiencing that, it's it's. It I don't know, not to sound nerdy, but it's love, man. It it generally is. It's true, genuine, as
1: real and genuine, uh, and as pure as love can be. Well, you're and you're gonna know what I'm saying about this. I know Ira does. Well, actually, I don't know that he does because uh when he wants to go hunting, he just he just freaking leaves and and then I'm like, I thought you were supposed to be working today. Yeah, nah, I'm not worried about it. But like whenever <laughs> I'm sitting here at the office and I won't even be thinking yeah. about that, I won't even be thinking about duck hunt. I'll be sitting here working on whatever. And you know, a couple of my places are like midday type places. Like you're talking about Eagle Lake place. And I'm yeah. sitting here and it'll be eight, eight 30 or something. And I just start thinking like, sun's out, get the fuck out of here. I got, I've got to get out of here. and It's like, it just, I, and then I, if somebody comes in here, I can't even talk with them. I'm like, Hey man, I, I got a roll, I got it. And it's like, what is that? Because I don't need the food. I, I've killed a, a, a several ducks. I get to go anytime that I want to go pretty much. And it's just like, there's something in me that I'm going to get to the truck as fast as I can. And I'm going to turn my phone on. Do not disturb it. I'm going to drive straight there. And I just can't think about anything else. It's a bizarre phenomenon when I mean, you're describing it, but it's just weird how you're just, you just can't be at rest until you get there. And then when you get there, you're like, Oh nah, man, what a nice day. But yeah. until then, it's just like, God damn yeah. I, it's burned through a list of cur- a phone book worth of curse words. Yep, I do.
2: That's right. That's right. And you know what's really sad, and I want to encourage people. I don't want to sound like an old man that's that's grouchy, but if what is inspiring a person, or not inspiring, but motivating them to leave work, to do all of that, to rush to get there in order to post something on Instagram, you're missing out, man. I'm not being ugly. I'm just telling you, you need. I mean, not just missing out on hunting. You're missing out on life. I'm serious. We got to get a different attitude, because if it's about an Instagram pic, we, <laughs> we're we going to uh, the pressure deal. I mean, we're not going to see. First of all, you're never going to be able to see a group of 100 do it right. And that's what people a lot of young people hadn't seen that, whether it's because they always hunt with spinners or they uh, always are, you know, this or that, that they that, that 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 is sad to me. That that even if you're able to kill a limit, you're just having to scratch them, right? You're having to scratch them far, two or three at a time instead of we sitting here and just having that chills of, oh my goodness, all 50 of them are gonna do it. <laughs> right. That's why we do it, man. To see right. that.
1: No, that's right. Absol- Not Absolutely. Not to get an
2: Instagram. And if you're worried about the Instagram post, you're you're never gonna be able to see that hundred because you're just just like I am when I deer hunt, I'm more worried about killing the first one than I am a big one. That's why I have never killed a big one. Right, <laughs> right, right. So no, it's like you got to You got to be able to check. You, you got you have to change your your paradigm. And and it starts with one. And I say young guys, but just new hunters. What regards how old, how old they are. Generally, it's, you know, 20 somethings. But one of these guys in a group of 20 somethings need to say, hey, won't this time we just wait and see how close we can get them. Or you see know, how many we can get, it's, and it's, then they oh it opens up our actual sport. I don't think that you would live your life as dysfunctionally as I have lived it just
1: to get a just to get an Instagram post. <laughs> that's that's the whole point, though. People that are get, it's like the the industry is a, is like a double edged sword because. We we promote we promote we promote. I say we like I'm any fucking body, but the the industry promotes promotes promotes, and the companies do obviously in order to further a a product, get more people involved, all that stuff. And then people get involved, and they're looking at a guy that's posting something on Instagram. Like let's say that's the you know the the Shin guys or the White Oak guys, yeah, whatever they're doing. We do it. Anybody. And, And so you know they might be looking at a guy that's doing this, and they see that you know they're posting something of a badass hunt. Well. One, your your three hen mallards that you shot aren't badass, so I don't even want to see it anyways, guys. But the second thing is you look at those guys. Those guys were sleeping in their truck or those guys were saving money to try to afford to buy a duck hunting farm. Like most of the real guys in the industry, I'm not talking about the fly-by-nights, but the staples mm-hmm. that everybody has good things to say about. Those guys got involved from a place of, we love this. We want to do this. Yeah. This is this is our passion. And the the thing that's, I think the saddest is to see some of those guys that the industry has just completely wore down to the fact, to the point where they don't duck hunt much anymore because, mm. because of all the bullshit that has gone along with it. And I don't think, I don't care if it was what amount of bullshit. I don't care if I was buried, you know, neck deep in an actual fucking cattle, cattle lot. I'm not going to quit going. So That's I right. get it, but it's just, it's an interesting, there's so many different angles that you can look at it from and I don't know exactly what the point is, but but the main point you're trying to make and I agree with is you got to be doing it for the right reasons. If you're not, there's so many other things that you can do. You can get it, go learn to do a TikTok dance. If you want, you know, just attention, because then, then that doesn't ruin our ducks for us. Yeah. You know, I, I've seen it happen
2: and it freaks me out and I, you know, you gotta be kind no matter if you disagree, but I've been with people, younger guys around here that I'm kind of a mentor to, I would say. And, We'll we'll shoot some ducks. We're going to take a picture of it, and they want to take the hens out. Like, are you kidding? I mean, now, to shoot a hen, I don't want to do that. That's not a good practice to pick out hens. You do your best. But if I shoot a hen, it's legal, and I'm not going to post it for – I mean, I want to talk to them about the, their mental health. I mean, where is that? What's motivating that, you know? <laughs> it's not like, you, I, I don't know. I mean, because you're going to be ridiculed. Well, if you are being ridiculed, you're being ridiculed by idiots. And you need right. to not be one of them and let it roll off your back. But but anyway, you know, Instagram's something we're all learning about. I enjoy Instagram. I enjoy posting Instagram. We like sharing those things. We like get all of us like approval of our peers. But I think it's more of an emphasis on what's important is what we're talking about. You know, we just kind of got to get that paradigm straight. I will tell you this. Ira McCauley has not built what he has built because of things that he's seen that you and I know about. He has built what he has built and has designed his life for this industry and for Ducks. Because of things he has seen in private with loved ones, and that he's never posted about. That's powerful. only Joe, only
0: Joe Weimer knows some of those things. For God's sakes, <laughs> yeah, thank God, huh? That's
1: right.
2: Yeah, but, no, but shit. seriously, but seriously, we we cannot place an emphasis. This game is not about any celebrity, and if someone is using this to catapult them as a celebrity, uh, I, I, I I don't care for them and I've been friends with them. And when the second that I've realized that it was to them, it was more about them than it is mallards. And the mallard is not the star of the show, then then we've got to separate ourselves from this. Cause this is, man, this is duck on. They don't nobody else care about this sport than us. No, that's I mean, right. There's not a person in this industry that's at a stoplight in any city in America that's thinking, oh my God, that's Ira McCauley. Nobody cares, right? It, the only oh, you, thing that matters to is us, our camp. We're a big duck camp, and we're gonna see- have to get we're gonna have to get nicer about it. And anything I say that might offend someone is not meant to offend. It's meant to encourage. That I hope, I hope young duck hunter, I hope I really do hope that you have seen a hundred miler ducks light twenty yards in front of you. And in order to do that, you're going to have to risk sometimes not getting a shot and maybe not getting that limit and maybe not getting that post. But when you do it, when you see it, you will be a changed man, just like I
0: am. Keith, I'm still waiting for the day where uh, I pull up to Locust Grove Duck Camp and there's 100 girls in bikinis dancing around going, we want your signature
1: it'll not happen guy that's right (laughs) the only thing you'll be signing then iris divorce paper that's right now if we were in san diego and we were those bad surfers we were talking about that may happen but not not old duck hunters man i just think it's you know i think you put into words keith a, a lot of you've put into words in a different way than what Ira and I do. I mean, we, we, we're saying some of the same stuff, but it's, it's cool to have a different perspective that can just, you know, discuss the kind of why we're doing what we're doing. And, you know, the, the whole point of this podcast, we started it was like, you know, it was about business. It was about duck hunting, but mainly it was about passion. And like when Ira and I started, it was like, hey, let's talk about how Ira did this and that and maybe foregoed some hunting opportunities to be able to put himself in a position to where he can go anytime and he can do, you know, he can hunt and he's got good hunting. I mean, it's the same with me, you know, quit a job, didn't really know it was around the corner, but was motivated by being able to not have anybody tell me that I can't go duck hunting and, except for me. And so um, th- that seemed like a crazy, stupid way to set your life up. But if you, you know, you're glad you did. I mean, cause that's the only way you'd be happy, you know? And, and I'm that's just right. one of those people that it would be unbearable if I, and it sounds so stupid to say, but if I can't go hunting, when I want to go hunting, I sound like a two-year-old. If I can't go hunting, when I want to go hunting, you don't want to have anything to do with me. And you might not anyways, but <laughs> I'm absolutely unbearable Yeah. if I can't go do what I want to do. So for me, it's like, all right, I got to figure out some way to do this because I'm going to end up divorced, dead, whatever else, but it's just, it, I always enjoy talking with people that feel the same way and, and went about it in their own way because because there is more than one way to skin a cat, and, and there's a reward at the end of it if it works. That's right, man. Ira, is, man. Uh, unless you got something, Ira, I think this is a great place to stop, and I think, Keith, we ought to plan on having you come back on with Jeff because you'd be able to offer some different insight as we're going yeah. about that discussion too. Yeah, you can't talk to Jeff about uh, his
2: story without it sounding – Somewhat bragging from his. And so I'll have to get that out of him, right? I believe because he does, he is not that person. He, he, he does it from as pure motivation as like we do, man. It just, he loves to hunt. He's just, he has stumbled on to, he put his chips in and he, and he hit all sevens, man.
1: <laughs> he struck him. gold, boy. Good for him. Uh, yep. Ira, uh, anything else you want to add?
0: Yeah. The, the only thing that I, that I have to say is, uh, We've done several podcasts and this is my favorite one that we've done. Keith, I appreciate your time. Um, I, I loved hearing your story. It was awesome. And I really enjoyed it. So thank you.
2: It's been an honor, Ira, to to spend time with you. I have so much admiration for, for you and your company. And, and I, hey, I consider you a good friend. I see, I, I, I'm totally sincere in saying that. And... We say this a lot in this industry. Hey, come hunt with me this winter. And our our winters get so busy that though we would like to, it never happens. I am committing to you guys. I'm going to come up there at least one day. Jason Zare is a dear, dear friend of mine. I mean, we've known each other. I, my wife and I have stayed in their home in Mississippi when he and his wife were doing their residency back in the day. He's Jason, a good dude. He used to contest call back in the day and – and, you know, I would work with him on that, and he became incredible at it. Uh, and he's good friends, too, with my wife's family members, the Lavalley brothers. They were in yeah. med school together. We, have a, by, we have a conne- we have a strong connection. Simo. They're down yeah. by, by uh, North, North Delta, right? That's right. They own the land that adjoins the south end of, of Eagle's Nest, the Lavalley brothers. Those are my wife's first cousins. In fact, I met my wife in Columbia when Ed LaValle was in med school at his, his house. So we're wow. best friends. Matt, Matt and Eddie are some of my oldest and best hunting buddies and they're clo- they're good friends with Jason. It's just a neat connection, but seriously, we got to get together and, and I would hate for it to have to be at y'all's place and that I get to go hunting with y'all. I would hate for that to happen that I get to bum a hunting spot with y'all. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. It beats being in a Toyota 4Runner or Tacoma or whatever kind of piece of junk it was and, yeah. uh, and then on that let's uh rip some trout lips off too i love it man we'll do right. it brother keith we'll we
1: appreciate it. it man we'll talk with you appreciate it man thank you peace out keep doing what y'all are doing you too all right yeah take care man see you